Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And we did get a response yesterday from the NDLS, the Driving Licence Department, uh, because remember yesterday we were talking about the gentleman from West Cork who had gone 100 miles to come from uh, out tip of the Bear Peninsula, out Nallahees, all the way into Skibbereen, wanted to renew his driving licence he didn't have a card he doesn't have a bank card and he had cash and he had, was sent home with his tail between his legs God help him uh, to be told away and get a bank, bank card and to come back to us and that then led to a flurry of calls and texts in from uh, people saying how are they allowed to do that surely cash is legal tender why are they doing it and even though I think that gentleman who used to work with the NCT centre uh, he was saying that they stopped taking cash uh, and it was to do with you, you needed an extra person to bring them take the money and bring it to the bank every evening and obviously there's a security issue about having money on site and I do think that's got a lot uh, to do with it. Anyway, we got on to the NDLS uh, just to say look, what happens in a situation like this if you have a gentleman or, or a lady who doesn't have a bank card you know, what can you do about it? Because he'd, he'd given the offer that he'd a family member who had a bank card and could they take the payment over the phone while he was there but that offer was uh, refused so we got on to the NDLS and we put all of those issues uh, to them and they came back and said, unfortunately, an over-the-phone credit card payment facility is not available in the NDLS centres. Credit card payments in the NDLS centres must be accompanied in person by the card uh, holder. And that explained how, remember the listener from Cork said that the day before, very same situation had happened in Cork City at the NDLS centre. And a gentleman in the queue said, here, you can use my card. Give me the money. I'll take the cash from you. You can use my card. And he helped out a lady who didn't have a bank card uh, with them. Now the NDLS do say that it is down to new public health and social distancing measures being in place in the LDLS centres. They're trying to stop the spread of uh, COVID-19 and amongst the measures was a change to the NDLS payment options and they run now the appointment only uh, service and they said currently, so they're saying it's because of the pandemic. So I don't know from that does that mean that when the pandemic is finally behind us, will they start taking cash again? Only time will tell. So they say at the moment it's a debit or a current debit or credit card. You can also use Apple Pay or Google Pay, but you can also use the Pay Zone vouchers, and they're the ones that are important for people that don't have a credit card or a debit card or don't have Apple Pay or Google Pay. Go to a Pay Zone, and there's lots of shops 
operate Payzone. You'll see the sign in most of the shop windows for Payzone. So get your Payzone voucher in advance of going into the NDLS. Uh, and they say they're not accepting cash. They don't accept checks or postal orders and they don't accept prepaid cards either. Somebody else said that they went in with a prepaid credit card and thought that would do, but they, they're not able to accept uh, those uh, either. So they're still operating on appointment only. And of course, you can use um, online. Now, they did go on to apologise to the customers who've been affected by the changes, but they want to assure them that the measures that are in place are for the health and safety of all of their customers and all of their staff. And I have to say... So many times we hear from people who've gone in to renew a driving licence at the various NDLS uh, centres dotted around Cork City and County and everybody talks about how helpful and friendly the staff are. So I really was taken aback when this particular issue happened with this uh, gentleman in West uh, Cork uh, because somebody said why wasn't he directed to a shop in the area that did the pay zone so he could have got out with his cash, gone to the shop that does the pay zone vouchers, got the voucher and uh, come back but it seems that didn't happen in this particular case. Maybe it was just an oversight by the person who was dealing uh, with him but it's good to bear that in mind for anybody that has an appointment is going uh, to get your driving licence, they will not accept cash. So please either have your debit card, credit card, Google Pay, Apple Pay or have a PayZone voucher with you. Now, as we all know from the early hours of tomorrow morning, all passengers coming into the state will be required to present a negative COVID-19 test regardless of their vaccination status. To find out how the travel agents are dealing with the news, I'm joined by Pat Dawson, Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Do you think the government have made the right decision with this one? Yes, I think they have, Patricia, in the sense, as I said to some of the media yesterday, it's the lesser of two evils. And uh, the last thing we want is to go back to where we were with um, everything shut down and our airport shut down and people can't move in and out of the country, visitors otherwise. So, yes, uh, I, I would I would agree with you. And I'm, I'm assuming the medics who, who also make these decisions uh, agree with the government's stance on it. Yeah, and but is it causing problems for people who are already away and say due back this weekend? It is uh, indeed, but where they are, you know, mainly in Spain, the Canary Islands and Portugal or whatever, I mean, they just have to get a location where the, the PCR or Android and tests are being uh, uh, given to people and there are plenty uh, you know, I've been in parts in Spain myself during the year and uh, there was no issue in, in getting to a place and, and for example, people who are going on a short trip and I know Cork Airport, I think they have a, a day trip or an overnight to Lapland they can get it here in Cork and uh, once they're within the parameters of the 48 or 72 hours, so, so you can get in Cork fly to where you're going for a day People going to matches in the UK, mm. they're the same. Uh, once you're in the parameters, so, you know, you're familiar with where you can get it, be it airports or loads of chemists or whatever around the, uh, the country and the county. As such, so from that point of view, uh, it's easy enough. And, you know, I was, I was just looking at myself because I'm, I'm traveling to the States and, the, you know, the, the variance of pricing is, is really poor. It's, it's um, particularly PCR. I mean, there's a variance of 30 or 40 euros around the place. So uh, we need to look at that too and, uh, you know, the, that companies don't take advantage of, of a situation that's really affecting many of us. 
Yeah, because yeah, because even yesterday I was just doing a couple of quick Google searches just to see how easy it is to get the PCR test or to get the professional antigen test. And you are right, it is very easy, but I couldn't get over the difference in prices. So people will really need to shop around. And I know that Neffet had wanted only PCR tests, but the government have come in with these, the professional antigen tests, and they are cheaper. This is for fully vaccinated people. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're I think, uh, Patricia, between 35 and 50 euros. Yeah. Um, PCR, you know, they're up to 119, 130. Yeah. I, I don't know where the costs are involved. I mean, it's not what you call a big deal to get it done, analyze it, and get get it back. So there's a huge profit taking, in my view, on it. And what are you hearing from other members? I mean, for example, are people considering cancelling travel plans? No, they're not. Good. But what that has done, I mean, we, we certainly had. Uh, bookings for for next year, September, October, when things got better, um, but that has all stopped now. In the last, not because of 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 the announcement of the government, but in the last uh, number of weeks, when numbers got got high and that, so that has stopped. Uh, when when the restrictions were brought in by the government, you know, I mean, I I went in by bus to the city um, the other day, and, and and bus drivers are the best to, to give a gauge of what's going on, and I said to him. God, you're very. Uh, it's very empty here today, Joe. And he says, "Well, look at since the announcements of the restrictions, there's a fall off. So people are naturally nervous, and and they're doing less. Uh, and the government have asked them to do that, and uh, hopefully things have steadied down, and uh, uh, we'll we'll get out of this uh, wave or other waves or, or, or other things to happen to us." Okay, on the negative COVID test, then the big question we were getting yesterday uh, was. Where does will passengers have the COVID tests checked before boarding the plane or the ferry? Yes, they will. Yeah, it's well, it's within within um, forty eight hours for the PCR and seventy two hours uh, with the antigen. So that's the that's the regulation as such. So it it has to be done before before you actually board a, sh- uh, a boat or a plane. Okay. Do you need a negative test leaving Ireland? Somebody wants to know. Uh, no, you don't. No. There's no testing leaving leaving Ireland as such. But look at, uh, I mean, you can do your own antigen test leaving Ireland. And I mean, the prices have come down, which is good work by the government. Uh, I think they're three or four euros. And I, I do it regularly because I'm moving around a good bit yeah. as as such. And uh, it's it's not 100%, but it's, it's as good as, uh, as such. And... Uh, I'm not forking out 120 euros for a PCR test every time I want to go to something. Yeah, and it's just if there's families. I know we had a family yesterday who they're travelling, I think, uh, next week, and they're just saying the cost for a family. You know, if you've got two adults and, and two children having to get all of these tests, it is an additional cost now to the holiday. Yeah, it is. And remember, uh, 11-year-olds, unless they don't have to have tests as such. So that's some relief for smaller kids, but you're, you're 100% correct, Patricia. Yeah. You know, it, it, it could be up to 400 euros um, for, for if, you're, if you're to do the full PCR and that. And, and that's, uh, that's nearly the price of, of two or three flights, you know. And then we had a listener yesterday who has a problem in that she had COVID about four months ago and every time she does an antigen test or a PCR test, it comes back positive, even though she's fully recovered. And I did look into this and about four, this can happen to about 14% of people. So we got on to the HSC about it and they say in situations where a person is required to present evidence of a negative PCR 
PCR uh, test prior to travel and is unable to do so due to persistently positive PCR tests after recovery, then a positive PCR test result will be acceptable while it has taken no less than 11 days or no more than 180 days uh, prior to arrival in the States. So they have actually covered that because that's going to catch uh, a couple of uh, people. So overall, um, Pat, do you think many people will be travelling this Christmas? There will be, yeah, and those who are booked are staying booked as, uh, as such. And um, some people may, uh, I know in, in some of the ski resorts where it, it's some of the areas, I think it was in Austria, where they have lockdowns on, on, on ground or whatever else. I know people, a friend of mine has, have, have moved from that particular Christmas holiday. They have moved to uh, sometime in March. That will go on a little bit as such. Uh, but generally people uh, are staying put. But again, you know, it's not... Uh, uh, you know, I'm 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 going to family in the states, and uh, you know I'm a bit nervous doing it, and um, I'm going on direct flights from Dublin, and it's not so bad. I don't have to change. But having said all of that, I'm still a bit apprehensive. But look at uh, I put my family. I haven't seen grandchildren in over two years now, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to risk that to see them. Yeah, yeah. And then people asking questions about travelling to various countries. You need to keep on top of what are the restrictions for individual countries because every country is different. You do, yeah. And that's the, 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 that's the, a bit of a problem with the EU. There's a patchwork uh, with the EU countries and it's very hard to have everyone singing off the same hymn sheet. But there is, that's very uh, true, Patricia, that there's different rules in, 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 within the EU, never mind outside the EU. So, that's messy and, you know, you really have to uh, look at your documentation and your book with the travel agent. They're, they're updated and they'll keep you advised and informed and, and that. And, uh, um, you know, but please check your documents and your your travel agent will go through them with you as well because you don't want a situation where uh, you have something that's not correct and uh, you have an opposite side of, of not being able to travel. Yeah, and then while you're away... You really need to, I know we all like to switch off, but you do need to, particularly leading up to your return home, you do need to keep an eye on things just to make sure that nothing has changed while you're away. Yeah, indeed. And people are going to sort of warmer climates than, than here. They'll, you know, uh, like myself, spend most of the time outdoors. And you have to be vigilant and, and careful, uh, not alone for yourself, but but for others who are you're with and, and, and the people you're coming back to. So, yes, you have to be more cautious than normal. OK. Listen, stay safe, uh, Pat, and we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good, mor- good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Pat Dawson, who is Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. And there was a lovely thank you in from Simon, who contacted us uh, via the C103 Twitter account, asking us if we'd say a big thank you to the Skull Postman. Now, I'd love to know the name of the Skull Postman because I don't have his name. But seemingly, uh, the, there are a postman in Skull. In Simon says, assisted my father, who had a bad accident and he stayed with my mother until the ambulance arrived. Words are not enough to thank you so much. Isn't that really nice? Does anybody know who that skull postman is who assisted a gentleman after a bad accident and just to, in order to give some comfort to the gentleman's wife and you know the upset when something like that has happened and there's been an accident and you're just waiting and the minutes are feel like hours when you're waiting for an ambulance to arrive so well done to that postman in uh, Skull and thank you to Simon for tweeting us 
at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now a lot of calls, a lot of texts coming in. Let me take a look at some of them. And just before I get to particularly to this cashless society that we seem to be moving for towards and everybody being encouraged to do everything online which doesn't suit uh, everybody. A lot of people commenting on that. But before I get to that, we have had uh, some calls in in relation to the proposed closure of Mill Street Town Park for the month of December. Now this is something that happens every year and we certainly have discussed it as an issue on the programme in the past. Myself and John Paul were in the office this morning trying to remember the last time uh, we did it. It happens every year in the month of December and it's to do with the local coursing club. They have a coursing event in Mill Street Town Park. I think it's just a one day event but they close the park for the month of December because they have to put the hares in there and obviously the hares have to get used to I suppose the town park is that the rationale behind it but anyway it happens every year didn't happen last year because of COVID and obviously the coursing event was cancelled due to COVID and all the restrictions that were in place this time last year. So this year, and I think it's possibly got to do with the fact that it was opened last year then, there was no closure, people were able to use the town park as normal. So this year when the sign went up, I suppose some local people started to bemoan the fact of wasn't it great last Christmas that we had the town park open to everyone and some people just not happy about the idea of the park closing again and I was looking at uh, millstreet.ie they have a great fantastic community website all of the news from around Millstreet and there's kind of a notice board where people can uh, comment and people are just uh, some people are objecting to the fact that it's you know it's the town park it's there for everyone why should it close in the month of December and for older people you know they like to walk in the park and that's going to be taken away from them now during the month of December. And then obviously you've got people because it's a coursing event. You're going to have people who are against uh, blood sports and don't like the idea of the town park being used for uh, coursing. So there's kind of two debates uh, going on at the moment. Anyway, uh, this year there's a, there's a petition gone up online. I spotted that uh, yesterday and a lot of people are trying to leave the park to be open for the uh, for the month of December. Now it's, it's an old agreement. I don't know how long it dates back for, but it's an agreement that that's in place between uh, Mill Street Town Park and the Coursing Club. The Coursing Club in Mill Street, they were due to issue a statement yesterday because we had some calls in about it yesterday and we were hoping, we were asking people if they wanted to come on and talk to us, but nobody, everyone seemed to be very shy about it. Uh, certainly online, there's a lot of people talking, but nobody wanted to talk with us uh, here. Uh, and then we heard that Mill Street Coursing Club were going to issue a statement yesterday. So we said yesterday we'd hold off until we could get the statement from the Coursing Club to see you know how they were reacting to the news that people in Mill Street, not everyone is happy about the fact that the town park is to close uh, for the month. We've reached out uh, to them but we haven't got any reply from them and then this morning we can't find out if Mill Street Coursing Club issued a statement or not because if they did, I don't know who they've issued it to or where they've issued it to because we certainly can't uh, find it. So if anybody knows, did Mill Street Coursing Club, did they issue a statement yesterday? More importantly, if there's anyone from Mill Street Coursing Club listening to us, uh, okay, if you don't want to speak to us, fine, but could you at least 
let us know if you've issued a statement and if you have issued a statement, if you could get the statement into us, please, so that we can let others know what, what your thought patterns are uh, on this. Uh, but your thoughts welcomed on that, 1850 The NCT, and my apologies on this, I thought all the NCT centres had stopped taking cash like the NDLS centres and Eileen said, I paid my NCT by cash in Skibbereen last week. They don't give change. <laughs> But they do take cash. Okay, so you have to have the exact amount. So I've checked in with the NCT centres and they say that the NCT, you can, uh, how do I pay for the service using cash? NCT centres tests can be booked online, but they need to be confirmed with the credit or debit card. In order to prevent the spread of COVID-19, cash is not the preferred method of payment at this time. Your compliance with this approach is much appreciated. Okay, it's not their preferred method, but they are, they still are accepting cash. That's at the NCT centre, not at the NDLS. We know for sure that the NDLS are not taking cash. Joe in Ballyvorney says the NC, if the NDLS for a driver's licence, if they won't accept cash, then why won't they accept money orders, post order? Why won't they accept a cheque if they're not handling uh, cash? If it was a supermarket or a pub or any other kind of business, they'd take your cash from you. The problem with the NDLS is there isn't any competition, so they can do what they like, says Joe from uh, Ballyvorney. I don't know the reason why they don't accept a cheque are a money order because they will because they'll take the debit card and the credit card and they will take the Apple Pay and they will take the pay zone voucher. So like if they're taking a pay zone voucher, I don't understand why they won't take a check or a postal order either. So I'm kind of with you on that one. They don't say why. I can understand them not taking the cash if they're doing it for for COVID reasons or are they doing it for security reasons or less staff would have to go to the bank. But could they not take a check? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, they don't say as to why they're not taking a cheque, but, but they're not. Uh, R in Mill Street says, listening to you, Patricia, on your piece about the NDLS, I've written to them in Mallow on two occasions about my driver's licence and I'm not getting any response. I even went to the office, but of course it was closed. I have a class one truck licence as well as a normal car licence. So let alone paying for the licence, I'm also not very computer literate. I don't have a bank account. How therefore do I go about renewing my licence? Thanking you. Nassimar in Mill Street. Well, you're going to have to make an appointment to go into the NDLS and seemingly, according to Jean Paul, the only way to make that appointment is online. I, there's no phone that you can you can ring them. So you can go in in person, but you can only go in in person. They're not doing walk-ins. It's by appointment only. I would be directing you online, but if you're not computer literate, because you can renew online as well. Don't worry about not having the bank account, but you need to get your appointment. I need to get somebody to help you out, maybe who is computer literate, just to make the appointment then you'll get your appointment, you can turn up in person, then what you're going to need to do is you need to go to a shop that does the pay zone vouchers and have the money for your licence done on a pay pay zone voucher and then you'll be able to get your licence that way. So there is an alternative to the cash and that's through pay uh, zone. Uh, And hi says, another listener, I got my driving licence in Mallow. Staff, lovely very obliging and very helpful uh, because there was errors on my licence but they were extremely helpful. Uh, so well done to everybody. That's to say, we, we constantly hear that about the staff at the NDLS. You know, in, in the main, they are the most helpful 
friendly people and they go above and beyond to try to help people. And Patricia, I was in Dunn's Stores Cafe uh, this morning and I felt I was being singled out. Three customers in front of me, none of them were asked for their COVID certificate. And then when it came to my turn, I was asked for both COVID certificate and for ID. I think it should be for everyone and not just for one person. I felt like they didn't like the look of me or something. And I'm sure it wasn't that. I imagine what has happened there is that the other three people ahead of you are probably regular customers, maybe customers that are in there every single day, in there a couple of times a week, and they've already had their COVID certs checked and their ID checked and because maybe you're not known to the staff there they had to check yours because certainly that's happened to me in a the gallery in Mallow it's a gorgeous gastro uh, pub that we go to uh, quite a lot and certainly the first time that we went when the COVID certificates came in they asked us to produce our COVID certificates which we duly did and every time we've been in there since because they know us they know we have our COVID certs now we still have to sign in, we still do the, the contact tracing is still done and you know the time we check in and they have our, our telephone number and how many of us are in our party usually just the three of us but we, we still sign in but we don't get asked for the COVID search because they've already done it so I'm assuming that that's what, the, what is the case there so I don't think it wasn't that they didn't like the look of you they just didn't know you and they needed to double check and take comfort from the fact that they were double checking. There's a lot of people like when they see that businesses are really checking and really making a great effort to make sure that everybody that is sitting inside does have their COVID certificate with them. And hi Patricia, the postman who rescued that gentleman in Skull that you did the shout out to earlier on is Donald O'Driscoll and that's all his colleagues in Skull and Skibbereen uh, Post Office. Donald is one sound caring gentleman and postman. So take a bow Donald O'Driscoll. Uh, Simon was on to us who is the son of the gentleman that you helped. Well done to you. You do sound, you are right the, the lads and lassies in Skull and Skibbereen Post Office have you well described as a sound caring gentleman and a wonderful postman to boot. Well done you. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie And somebody just wants to point out when we were talking about the NCT uh, centres, while they prefer to deal with debit and credit cards, they will will accept cash even though somebody says they don't give change. Somebody says, Patricia, you should let others know that the NCT centres don't take cheques in case somebody turns up with a uh, cheque. So uh, thank you for that. Now, according to new data, only one in three of the most popular electronic and electrical gifts sold in Ireland is recycled. We Ireland, who carried out the research, are encouraging people to be mindful of recycling, especially as we head into the busiest shopping period of the year. Joining me from We Ireland, there CEO Leo Donovan. Good morning to you, Leo. Patricia, how are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, what type of items are we talking about here? Yeah, these are kind of typical kind of gift items that we see being uh, bought at this time of year, like things like maybe presents like hair straighteners, shavers, kind of instant print cameras, headphones, Bluetooth speakers, virtually anything that works off a battery or, or a plug. Um, is kind of electric appliance. We find that just just more and more gifts are are electrical. Uh, And it's a real call out there to people that, look, if they have old kind of gifts or or presents or or, or appliances that are lying around the house now that are no longer working, 
uh, if they can make sure that they've been properly recycled either back to the local recycling centre, local authority recycling centre, or maybe back to a retailer. Any electrical retailer will take back your old electrical appliances. And just bear in mind that, look, you know, if you are buying uh, new new appliances, uh, to uh, just see maybe if the older one is, is repairable as well, um, because we're encouraging people to extend the life of electrical appliances uh, by having them repaired, or if you no longer have use for it, but it's still working, maybe to, to re-gift it to somebody else. Because that really is the best thing we can do for the environment, isn't it? If you can either repair something and continue using it, or if you're upgrading and there's nothing wrong with the item that you have, rather than recycle it, re-gift it to somebody who will get some use out of it. Yeah, for sure, like worldwide we're, we're just consuming more and more electrical appliances so there's a big demand just on, on the resources just the, the metals and the plastics and everything else to go into making these products so there is a real need now to make sure that we recover those materials but in the first place to prevent the, the, the demand of those materials by extending the, the life so the new circular economy legislation that came out there during the summer very much is focusing sustainability durability repairability you know, of all products, including electrical products. So we're supporting the government in that call. But if it can't be extended and the life can't be extended, then we want to really make sure it's been recycled. The EPA just did a study there recently, a characterization study of what's going into the waste bins, you know, yeah. and found that nearly 1% of the material going into waste bins is electrical appliances. Now, that shouldn't be happening because we need to be making sure that they're separately collected, either again, back at your local authority recycling centre or free of charge again, no purchase required back to any electrical retailer. You see, that really, really frustrates me, the fact that all of those electronic and electric uh, items, they're free to recycle. So it's frustrating to see them going to landfill. Yeah, and also, like, we, we actually recycle the material here in Ireland. We've got a fantastic recycling facility in the Midlands in Tullamore. Uh, so it's it's encouraging and digging the own business here where we actually break down the material, recover all the materials. We get 85% of uh, all the materials that we get back, we are able to resell out into the worldwide market, plastics, metals, glass, and so on. So, yeah, it's a very recyclable product. And what we've encouraged people to do is, yeah, it's a free take-back in the local authority sites. You can tell the, the guy at the gate, I've got electrical appliances, and it's free to go in with your electrical appliances. We're one of the few waste streams that is actually free to recycle. Yeah, yeah. And families with children who are listening to us, something that people mightn't think about, any of the electronic toys, they can all be recycled. Look, Santa is a very clever guy. He, he makes a lot of electrical toys, you know. Uh, he knows the kids just love the electrical toys. But he's very conscious about uh, global warming and he doesn't want the snow melting up in the North Pole. So he's really encouraging the kids to get their mums and dads to look, mum and dad, make sure you recycle your materials because we want to stop this global warming. Uh, we have great uh, CO2 savings when we actually recycle this material uh, and that really helps in contributing towards reducing Ireland's CO2 emissions and global warming in general. And am I right in thinking we're better at recycling the bigger goods, the white goods, our washing machines, our cookers, our tumble dryers? We're, we're better at recycling those. We just need to get into the same mindset about the smaller ones. 
Yeah, I think it's because of the convenience. Like when you get a new appliance delivered to your house, you know, the retailer will take back your old appliance there and then, right? And that's worked out very well. And we very much appreciate the contribution that the retailer has in that side. So a lot of, uh, two, two out of three appliances come back that way, the large appliances. But people tend not to think so much about the small appliances line around uh, their house. Like I'm just looking here at headphones, keyboards, computer here sitting in front of me at the moment. All these appliances, as I say, anything with a battery or a plug uh, is an electric appliance and should be going for separate recycling. Okay, and you know the ele- and the electrical retailers, many operate the, the I think it's the We Take Back uh, program, and and that's I only discovered this a couple of years ago. That's regardless of you buying something new inside in the shop. Yeah, they've been very supportive of kind of, I suppose, the new circular economy initiative uh, and, you know, even customer care. Pro- so what they're really saying to, to the general public, look, come in uh, to the store, drop back your old clients, um, you know, free of charge, no purchase required. It doesn't matter whether you bought it from us or not. It's a collective program that all the retailers yeah. are doing. And that'll be important after Christmas if somebody gets a present of an electrical item and they have an old one that they're not going to use again and they've no one to re-gift it on to bring it to a local shop and they'll take it in for um, for you. All right, if you can't get to a civic community site, even though we've wonderful civic community sites here in Cork, I'm always singing their praises. Listen, uh, Leo, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you very much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, that is. And have a great Christmas. That's uh, Leo Donovan, who is CEO of We Ireland. Please, please uh, remember to recycle electronic and electrical goods in the run-up to Christmas. Just staying on uh, Christmas, this was something that we spotted. It was yesterday in the Irish Sun, and we were just so busy yesterday, I didn't get a chance uh, to mention it. It's a Christmas theme. (laughs) Your thoughts welcomed on this. Diners with a taste for the unusual. It's a little bit of a treat. It's a new mayonnaise that's coming out, especially for the festive season. And it's a mayonnaise mixed with Terry's chocolate orange. Now, there are two things. I love mayonnaise and I love Terry's chocolate orange, but I just don't know if I want to have them inside in the same jar. It's Heinz have come up with it and they say it's a sweet, festive concoction and that it's perfect to put on crumpets. They're obviously aiming that at the UK markets because crumpets are more of a thing in, in certainly in England than they are here in Ireland. But they also say they're per- it's perfect to smarmer on pancakes are, and this one I nearly threw up, you can eat it straight out of the jar. So you can open up the fridge and you take out the mayonnaise mixed with orange mayonnaise and get a spoon and eat it straight out of the jar. The creamy condiment, usually added to savoury sandwiches and salads, has been transformed just in time for Christmas. And Heinz experts, they've blended mayonnaise, and their mayonnaise is made from free-range eggs, vinegar and mustard seeds. And they've then gone on to melt down a Terry's chocolate orange segment and they add that in with a little bit of orange oil to give it an even more orangey flavour. And they say we're they're always innovating. They always love to create something new and they like to bring things out for a limited edition product. And they reckon that this is going to be a big, big hit. And they say you either eat it straight out of the jar or you can spread it on anything that you want to uh, spread it on. They'll see many chocolate mayo has split fans certainly online. Some saying can't wait to try it and there's others saying it is simply disgusting. Would you eat 
Terry's orange chocolate flavoured mayonnaise? And if so, what would you put it on? You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hi Patricia, is there any chance you'd give a shout out to your listeners please? If anybody found a man's silver wedding ring in or around Porky Creeve, I was at the Senior Hurling County Final between Middleton and Glen Rovers on the 21st of November last and lost my wedding ring. I was seated in the North Stand and I'd parked in the nearby Old Forge grounds. If anybody found a man's silver wedding ring, there is a reward and offer and we have this gentleman's phone number here with us at uh, C103. So if anybody picked up that a uh, and a silver wedding ring for a man is a little bit on the unusual side but obviously this gentleman desperate to get it back. So if anybody found a wedding ring, if you were at the Senior Hurling County Final, Middleton versus Glen Rovers, 21st of November, give us a call please, 1850 and we've been talking about recycling in the last hour. Uh, Mary said, does anybody know? Now, I don't know where Mary is calling from, what part of the city or county, but she's wondering, are there any charities that are taking old mobile phones or old smartphones and then the money goes directly to charity? Now, over, certainly I don't think since COVID, in COVID times, but certainly pre COVID times, we would regularly be calling out for on a, either on the community diary or we might have an interview with some charity or organisation and they would be collecting old mobile phones and then they're sold on and it's a great way of making money for charities. I haven't heard of one in quite some time and God knows people update their phones. Nothing wrong with the old phone. You just want the newer, smarter model that's on the, the market, which they say is so bad for the environment, but we're all guilty of doing it. And then there's normally a drawer or a box at home that the old phones are stored in, uh, knowing you're never going to use them again. If you've updated, you're hardly going to use the old phone again. So does anybody know, uh, for obviously somewhere here in Cork City or County, that are collecting old phones for charity? If you can let us know, please, 1850-333-103. And when I was speaking with Leo Donovan, of We Ireland trying to encourage people as we head into the festive season if you are buying somebody a gift of an electrical item and they have an old electrical item will you please recycle it and you know we were just make, I was making the point it always frustrates me when I hear research come out that says there is an amount of electrical items that are going in for land uh, fill and that's just so bad for the environment on so many different uh, levels but it frustrates me because it's free to recycle electrical goods and when I was chatting with Leo we were talking about going along to the civic community site or you can go into electrical shops they'll all take back any electrical item any item with a battery or a plug can technically be recycled well Eleanor when I mentioned the civic community sites she says the big problem with the civic community sites uh, is they charge she said whether you're going in with rubbish or recycling there's a charge to enter the site and Eleanor fees that is turning people uh, off not herself she pays the fee but she's heard from others and they're turned off because there is a charge at the gate and you're right there is a charge at the gate and there's a charge then for the various items that you bring that you bring in once you get inside you might have to pay additional charges for some but others you don't but Eleanor if you are bringing only electrical items anything with a plug or a battery to a civic community site then you don't have to pay 
the charge at the gate. Normally, for most civic community sites, when you pull up to the gate, you'll be able to just hop out of the car and there'll be a container for you to put your electrical goods into. If it's a larger item, the very friendly, helpful staff will let you in. They'll raise the barrier. You don't have to pay. All electrical and electronic equipment is accepted free of charge. You don't have to pay the gate entry. It also, by the way, includes batteries and fluorescent tubes, all accepted free of charge, including all light bulbs and car batteries. Mobile phones and chargers are also accepted and satellite dishes, didn't know that, can also be disposed at uh, we at your civic community site. Wasn't aware of that, but it, there's not a charge. There certainly isn't a charge when you get to the gate if it's only electrical goods you have with you. 1850 333 on cashless society and people having problems if they don't have a bank card trying to pay. Pat in for Moy said, will the time come that banks will end up not taking cash uh, and that we'll end up with cashless banks? We're afraid to talk to somebody on the phone in banks in case it's some kind of a scam. It's the same with online. So Pat feels that we shouldn't be moving towards a cashless society, that uh, we should be, if anything, it should be the opposite. And, that, and there's a lot of people as well who still prefer to deal with cash. And they feel they manage their money better when they're dealing with cash. But you, yeah, you would have to agree. We seem to be more and more moving towards this only using a debit or a credit um, uh, card. And actually somebody else was on to us, Mary in Rathcool. She had a bit of an issue with her health insurance uh, company. They contacted her for you know, for payment. She was renewing her health insurance and she had sent on a cheque to them and she got a phone call to say, sorry, we're not accepting cheques anymore and we're going to return your cheque uh, and you'll have to either pay it by credit card or debit card. And Mary said, if you're sending back the cheque, does that mean I'm technically not covered at the moment? And I don't know whether she didn't have a debit or a credit card. Anyway, she said, eventually, the guy on the phone ummed and awed and said, OK, look, we'll accept the cheque this year, but to let you know, we will not accept a cheque next year. You can only pay by uh, card. And Mary said she's come across this also for motor insurance and her son ended up paying for it on his card. So it is becoming an issue. Oh, Mary doesn't have a bank card. She said, I don't, I don't want one. And the only bank I... Uh, and I don't want one. And in a bank, I only want to chat to an actual person, not to a machine. Good luck with that, uh, Mary, because more and more banks, the few that are left open, you, you go in and there's nobody, anyone that's in their room behind closed doors and you have to deal with the machines. It becomes very frustrating for people. And talking about people getting frustrated when it comes to customer service, Mary in Dunmanway says, has anybody else noticed customer service seems to be getting worse? particularly since COVID arrived on our shores. Mary had an issue whereby they were renewing their contract with AIR and she said between getting through to incorrect departments are waiting endlessly at the end of a phone uh, line and then eventually getting through to somebody and that one that always annoys me, sorry, we can only speak to the bill payer for data protection and all of that. And Mary wasn't the bill payer. It's our partner is the, well, is the name on the bill. I mean, we all have one name on the bill. It's, you know, a collective, the household pays for it, but they can only speak to the name on the bill. Mary ended up with her partner having to take a day off work, sit on the phone, have a lot of patience, eventually got through. He was on the phone from 2pm in the afternoon until 5 to get the issue sorted out. 
out. And Mary says, before anybody turns around and says, sure, why don't you move to a different phone provider? She said, we can't. We can only avail of air because there isn't fibre in our area. We can't get satellite broadband as we've got a hill in the way. So Mary is stuck with air. And air have come in for a lot of criticism about their customer service. And they're always promising that they're doing better and they're getting better at it. But if you go onto their Twitter account, you'll always see people giving out about it. But it is it certainly is frustrating. And I don't know if it's something new that's only happened since COVID times, Mary, but Mary reckons it has and that it's harder now for customer service over the phone even uh, to deal with somebody. And then on people travelling, we were talking with the Irish Travel Agents Association and trying to get advice for people. Actually, I have an answer for somebody who was on to us saying, Patricia, my friend and her partner are travelling to Poland next week for four days. Do they have to have a PCR test before they return home from Poland? Yes, they will. But if they are fully vaccinated when they're in Poland, they can get a professional antigen test which is cheaper than a PCR test. Now, if they're not fully vaccinated, then they're going to have to get uh, a PCR test, but they'll have to have, it's it's from tomorrow morning, from midnight, minute after midnight tonight, tonight into tomorrow morning. So if they're travelling next week, yeah, absolutely, they'll have to have a negative test uh, and they'll probably have to have the, it's looking like they'll have to have the negative test before they get on the plane. It's the airlines will be checking. So therefore, I think they'll do spot checks in Dublin, Cork and Shannon airports and at the ferry ports but the idea is going to be you won't get on the plane without a negative test so all the checking will have been done before you actually get on to the plane and John and Carrie this is on people travelling John says are people stupid to be thinking about travelling anywhere for Christmas we have no idea what is coming down the line with regard to COVID-19 John says he's no sympathy for anybody who gets caught out if they end up in another country and situations change because he reckons lockdown in is coming in this country. He reckons it's not that far off. It's only a matter of time. He said, for our great well-paid rugby players in South Africa regarding getting caught to stay there, they all at the end of the day chose to go there. They chose to take the chance. It's sad that they've picked up the new variant, the Omnicron variant. Where were they going? What were they going there for God's sake? It's only a game. Why did they go there? John and Carrie Well in in defence of the Munster rugby team they had no way of knowing when they got on the plane to go to South Africa to play a game of rugby they had no way of knowing that this new variant was going to spring up in South Africa and is now overtaking Delta by the way I read that earlier in South Africa. They had no way of knowing that so certainly yeah I would have I would have sympathy for them and why would they on a plane going to South Africa why do they go to South Africa well that's the job that they're as you say well paid to do that's what they that's what they're paid to do uh, someone else says what's the point in Covid starts to enter a restaurant uh, Patricia when children are allowed to run around the place it isn't safe for anyone then well any restaurant I have been in I have to say I haven't been in any restaurant where children were allowed to run around everybody was very safely seated at their seats two metre social distancing has been respected and as we've said on numerous occasions to people if you go in somewhere and you're feeling unsafe uh, because children in that instance you feel there are children running around then you know it's your choice to leave leave the restaurant we're constantly hearing that there's a personal responsibility go somewhere where you feel safe if you don't feel safe and you feel you're putting yourself at risk then uh, leave and Michael in Butterwind is disagreeing with something that I said earlier when I mentioned that nobody wants uh, a lockdown. Michael and Butterman said he'd welcome 
a lockdown. He feels a lockdown is what is needed. If we had a lockdown, it would keep everyone safe. He said, I'm looking at the situation. We're telling people to do this and to do that. But people are not, are not 100% adhering to, the, uh, adhering to the rules. Then he said, I'm hearing of people going away on holidays to Spain, to Portugal, to the States. And then they're returning. They, won't, they don't know what they're going to be bringing back with them. So Michael is in favour of uh, a lockdown. I know the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, said uh, yesterday that although there has been a slowdown in the spread of the virus, he's still concerned about the very high cases. He says the country is vulnerable to an increase in pre-Christmas socialise, socialising in the coming weeks on top of the obvious, obvious uncertainty around the new uh, variant. And of course, his fear is that the new variant, we still don't know yet, but his fear is that it is going to prove to be more infectious than uh, Delta. But he was asked at a, me- a media briefing if limitations on people allowed at gatherings are on the cards. And he said that that will be considered by Neffet They are meeting today to review data on cases and on hospitalisations. There's no mention of a lockdown, though, but they will take a look and see will more restrictions be needed in the run-up to the festive uh, period. Also under review today by Neffet is the impact of the existing measures on the spread of the virus and obviously on hospitalisation. A three-month plan to steer the country through the COVID winter. That's been speculated about that that will be drawn up uh, according to some sources. Dr Hulam was speaking, of course, as the first case of this much-feared new Omicron variant was detected here in a person who tested positive. And now the person who tested positive had returned from one of the designated South African at-risk countries last week. So it is, thankfully you can see any positive in it. It is linked to travel. No, at this stage, no evidence of spread but they're now obviously doing enhanced contact tracing around this particular case and as children uh, face a choice between the panto and going on a play date the strong recommendations look now set today at that meeting of Neffet to shift to the adults and it is expected that adult, that the gov- that Neffet will recommend to the government, it'd love to be the government then to announce it it looks like Neffet will be saying smaller gatherings and it also is expected that Neffet will be t- telling us all to ration our socialising. As with the children, you either go to the panto or a play date. It looks like that's what they're going to be saying to adults. If you have two events planned, choose one, don't go to both. But then let's try and take a look at some of the positives at, at the moment. The rate of spread of the virus, though it is the Delta virus, but the rate of spread is slowing down. It is high, but at least it is slowing down. But it's the cases in the 5 to 12-year-old age group. They're the ones that are continuing to rise. And obviously, there is also an increased demand for uh, testing. Another positive is the R number. That's the average number of people an infective person will pass the virus to. That was at 1.2 earlier on in the week. That is now down to 1. And they reckon that is due to the public response to calls to reduce mixing, as well as obviously other factors like the vaccine, the booster uh, uh, rollout. Uh, Around over 6,000 children in primary school were confirmed with COVID-19 in the past week up to last Saturday. But there was only 44 
four of them linked to clusters in schools. So it's again showing that the spread isn't isn't happening in the schools. It's happening outside of the schools. Professor Philip Nolan, he's the guy who tracks the virus. He said the situation is stable, still high. He said the current position is better than the optimistic modelling projections. And he believes if the current level of socialising remains or falls then cases of the virus will drop. So we are heading in the right direction. And a lot is is pointing to the success of the booster uh, programme. There's a bonus already been seen in the older age group. The majority of the older age group, those over 70, have already received their booster. And the positive out of that is there's been a fall in the proportion of COVID-19 hospital patients over the age of six. That is a little bit of good news. And they're ramping up the booster programme and encouraging people to go and get the booster. And I know yesterday, and I haven't checked in with John Paul, but certainly yesterday we had a lot of calls in from people desperate saying, really want to get my booster. I'm getting mine on Saturday and I tell you, or on Sunday, and I tell you, it can't come quick enough. There are walk-in COVID-19 vaccination clinics taking place in Cork City Hall again this week and across this weekend. Now the clinics obviously they're offering the first and the second dose to people who haven't been vaccinated before but for the booster vaccination it's for the 60 to 69 year olds and obviously anybody working in healthcare they can go into the walk-in vaccination clinic. It's open today from now 11 o'clock this morning until 3 this afternoon. Tomorrow Friday from 2 to to 6 and then Saturday and Sunday from 9am to 3pm in uh, City Hall. If you wish to avail of the booster, you have to wait at least five months after finishing a course of COVID-19 vaccine. Three months if it's Janssen. And those who had COVID-19 since they were vaccinated, and I know we had a question in about this yesterday, how long do they have to wait? They have to wait six months after their jab before getting a booster dose. That's anyone who contracted COVID-19 since they were vaccinated six months after getting their second jab before they can get their booster. If you're going along for your booster, you need to bring proof of your COVID-19 vaccination. How do you do that? Bring along your digital cert if it's on your phone. If you don't have it on your phone, bring along your vaccination uh, card. But those walk-in COVID clinics happening from today and across the weekend at City Hall. C103 Jobs. A person is wanted for front of house and admin that is in Lizarda. You email a CV to carry.murphy at osborne.ie. Country Clean have positions available for drivers and helpers. Jobs come with an immediate start 086 382 Railway View Pharmacy, they're in McCroom. They're looking for an experienced assistant. CVs, please, to emer at railwayviewpharmacy at air.net. And a minibus driver is wanted for school runs. That's in the Charleville area. John is your contact at 087 215 4385. That's how our C103 job link is looking today. If you'd like further information, you can go online to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. Now, the Home Support Service in the Cork and Kerry region has 21% 
fewer carers than before the pandemic with the HSE now facing significant recruitment challenges to discuss the impact that this is having. I'm joined by Fianna Gael Dáil Deputy Colin Burke. Good morning to you Colin. Good morning. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Is this all down to, to COVID or is there a fall off in people taking up this as a profession? Well, I, what has happened in the Cork Curry region and Michael Fitzgerald from the HSC did a presentation to Oireachtas members recently in the in Cork. Um, the numbers providing home help in the Cork Curry has come from down from one thousand eight hundred down to one thousand four hundred. So it's a substantial drop, and it's affecting the HSE in trying to provide the home care uh, to people who require it. The private companies are also running into difficulties in this area and they are now, a number of those private companies are now actively recruiting um, people because there is um, a vacuum there and we need to um, try and um, do everything possible to try and encourage more people to come involved in this area and it is in fairness, um, you know it's I suppose very rewarding for people to be involved in it and providing care for, for those who require it and in particular in rural areas I suppose that's where the big challenge is now is in rural areas um, trying to provide home help and what we want to do is try and keep people out of hospitals or when people come out of hospitals make sure that they have adequate support um, and people will need that support if they've been in hospital for three or four weeks and in particular for people who are living on their own. And people want to remain at home? Absolutely, and I think we should be doing everything possible on it. But this is not just a problem in Ireland, this is a problem in other countries. I was looking up one one or two jurisdictions recently in the issues, for instance, what has happened, say, for instance, in, in Israel, is that they have granted over 5,000 visas for people to come in from the Philippines to actually physically move in, living with people, but that's not a, an option for the vast majority of people in Ireland, but it's one of the things that they've done in Israel, and... Um, it's the only way that they can provide home care. So it's not just an Irish uh, challenge, but I think we need to do a lot more as regards trying to encourage people, even if they do, um, you know, one or two days a week, that can make a huge difference um, to an elderly person. And I think, especially now with, you know, the, so much restrictions that have been there over the last two years, we need to give support to people who are living alone. And even if it's, you know, okay, obviously people have to be very careful about calling because people don't want to be involved in, you know, in the, the whole issue in relation to um, COVID and the, the dangers there. But even telephone calls to people, I think, are extremely important at this stage as well. Do we need to look at the terms and conditions for some of these workers? Because you will hear some home help uh, talk about that they're not well paid. Certainly those that work in the pri- for private companies will say like they're not paid travel expenses in, in many yeah. cases. I mean, you know, if we are serious about looking at this issue, at this issue, we need to look after these people. Absolutely. And this is a challenge. And I know, for instance, you take the private companies will charge, say, anything up to 22, 24 euros an hour but and then the people providing the care may very well be on something like 12 to 15 euros an hour but the big issue then for the private companies as well is that they have to pay insurance, have to pay administrative costs and all of that so that all is taken into uh, account when they're, when they're calculating out what they're charging in the HSE likewise they have a whole administrative 
um, uh, you know, uh, backup that they have to provide as well. Um, and they also have to make sure that they have um, all of the people that are providing the care have the required level of training. But I think we need to... Um, make sure that we have a, an adequate number of training places for people who are interested in getting involved in this area and um, giving them every possible support to encourage people um, to provide that care. Because, you know, we are at the moment, we have, I think, around 740,000 people over 65 at the moment. Um, We're an ageing we, population. Well, we also, I suppose, on the other side of that is that we also have a growing number of people at work. I think we're now on 2.4 million people at work, whereas you can go back um, six or seven years ago where we had only about 1.8 million people at work. So we've increased the uh, the number of people at work dramatically over the last number of years. So, you know, if you want to provide services, you have to have you have to have the tax coming in to, to be able to afford to pay those services. And we're very lucky um, that we have been able to increase the number of people at work. And even since the pandemic, the number of people at work has actually dramatically increased. Well, we need to um, get people into the caring professions. But, but that's the big yeah, one that we need to do. Um, uh, Michael by WhatsApp says, staffing problems are currently raising its head within the healthcare service, but the most dangerous looking situation at the moment in time is that in five or ten years' time, there will not be a healthcare service in this country. The numbers are not there. People are not being trained for the jobs. It is a profession well, that's been ignored by successive governments, they're low paid and they're not respected by governments. Well, uh, just on the HSE figures, I mean, we've come from in December 2014, we had 103,000 people. And I'm talking about, you know, whole time equivalents, which is people working, say, 40 hours a week. And that's say, if you have two people doing one doing three days and the other doing two days, that's one person in regard as one whole time equivalent. So we, we've gone from 103,000 people in the HSE um, in December 2014 up to 126,000 by December 2019. So there was an increase of over 23% in that period. And since 2000, December 2019, it has increased again even further. So I think we're well over 130,000 whole-time equivalents. And in real terms, when you take part-time and everything else, you're talking about around 150,000 people in real terms working in HSE. And that has that is a substantial increase um, from where we, we were. Um, the big issue is is making sure we have an adequate number of people now in relation to the home care area because that's where we need to keep people, we need to work towards helping to assist people once they come out of hospital but also assisting people so that they don't have to end up in full-time care inside the nursing home. And we need to look at a number of different options. Um, for instance, we in other countries, and we've done a number of these projects in Ireland where older keep, people can kind of move into a, a kind of a village setting yeah, where yeah. a lot of facilities, and we need to start looking at those yeah, concepts I, as well. I, I interviewed a guy who wrote a fantastic book about it, about that whole thing about retirement villages. And if you look, Australia, I think, are the poster boys for it. They've That's right, yeah. He's, um, yeah. he's actually from my own home area of Inniscarra, originally. Great, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I read the book, it was just, it it's, made so much sense. Somebody book, yeah. who's working in home care with a private company says, I work with a company, I've been working with them for the last three years, I get paid 13 euro an hour, but I don't get any travel allowance. And that's, yep. if you're in a rural area and you've got to get from one home to the other home, you could be in your 
car for 30 minutes at your own expense, which is at, at yeah. something that, that does need to be looked at. And then I was seeing, I think it was in the Southern Star uh, today, uh, Cope in Bandon, some of the families there are talking about, you know, the residential centre in Carrickbeg in uh, Bandon has been closed all of last year. It's been closed since the start of the pandemic. And of course, Cope are saying it's because they've, they've had to redeploy staff. And that's reflected across a lot of services, Brothers of Charity, St. Joseph's Foundation, uh, Co-Action. We have a problem that has to be dealt with. Yes, we do. And it's, um, it's something that we obviously have to, um, you know, look at the, the system that presently is there. What do we need to do to improve it, to make it more attractive for people um, to come in to the system? and then make sure that they have the adequate training so that we can, in fact, increase the number of people who are available to provide home care. But we do have a lot of challenges in this area, and it's something that we need to give priority to. OK, and someone else is saying the HSE pays 17.50 per hour. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. So the HSE pay more than the private companies. Yeah, and I, I suppose the the, um, the advantages of the HSE as well in that um, people have a, a lot of additional entitlements that they don't have in the private companies. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the that's the issue. But if you look at what it's costing the HSE per hour, it's still costing mo- them more than seventeen euros fifty per hour because they've the got whole the admin, ad- yeah. But there's the whole administration yeah, built a, in plus the yeah. insurance cover and everything okay. else. So and then just, a lot of just, just there, finally, you know, the numbers that are out because of uh, COVID high demand for testing that's obviously affecting when people can go back to work Absolutely and then of course the, the whole issue in relation to where if you're in close contact with someone obviously the advice is that you do stay out of work and that's the correct advice and people are being very careful in order to reduce the spread of the pandemic and I think the new variant in from South Africa I, I think the information now coming to hand is that it's not a, a severe, um, but it spreads far faster. And I think that's the one difficulty about the uh, South African variant, as I understand it. But the biggest problem, I suppose, in relation to COVID, even where a person has been fully vaccinated, and I was speaking to someone now um, in the last week where, in fact, they got their booster and they contracted COVID after getting the booster. So they've had no three injections and they still contracted the COVID afterwards. Um, now, it was quite mild. It wasn't um, severe, but they did contract it. And I suppose the big issue is about anyone contracting COVID is that if they have any underlying condition, then that's where the challenge arises um, in trying to deal with COVID. If they have any um, issue where or medical condition already, so it, it is a huge difficulty from that point of view. Okay. All right, Colin, we'll leave it there. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. You're very welcome. Uh, good thanks morning to you. That is uh, Fianna Gael, Deputy Colin Burke. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am. Irish Sunday on C103. And we are heading to Skibbering Garda Station where I'm joined by Sergeant Trina O'Mahony for this week's Garda 5. Good morning to you, Trina. 
Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and we start this morning with uh, criminal damage that Clonakilty Gardaí are investigating. That's right, Patricia. The Gardaí at Clonakilty are investigating an incident that occurred between the 18th and 20th of November 2021. That would have been in the Tawny's area of Clonakilty. Um, during an incident there, a vehicle was damaged during that time by an unknown perpetrator and it involved the throwing of a substance onto the bonnet of the vehicle which caused damage to the paintwork. So we're asking that if any listener recalls hearing or seeing anything suspicious in that area between those dates that they may uh, call the Gardaí at Clonacilty and we would appreciate that on 02388 And there was also damage done to a wing mirror of a parked car. That's right, Patricia. On the 28th of November, um, Gardaí at Clonacilty are investigating a report of damage to the wing mirror of a car that was parked in the Pier Street area of Clonakilty Town. This occurred between 12.30 and 1.30am in the morning of the 28th of November. So if anyone was in the area around that time or witnessed or heard anything, we'd appreciate a call on that one as well. And a rather unusual one for the Gardaí abandoned the theft of a sign outside the business premises. That's right. The Gardaí abandoned are investigating the theft of a sign that would have been placed outside of business premises in the Kilbrogan area of Bandon. The sign was advertising the sale of coffee and was taken sometime between half seven and half eight on the 27th of November last. So again, we would appreciate a call if anyone may have witnessed or, or knows anything about that incident. OK, and we want to offer some advice now on vehicle safety now that we've, we're into December, we're into the uh, height of winter. And this is to do with vehicle lighting. And I have to say, it was something I noticed this morning as I was driving to work uh, at about eight o'clock. Um, like it was, it was dark. There was at least two cars I spotted that didn't have their lights on. Yes, um, I suppose this is something that I'm aware as well that some of your listeners have raised and highlighted in recent weeks. So it, it's something that I was hoping to cover I suppose from the perspective of vehicle safety and ensuring that vehicles are roadworthy, but we concentrate today specifically on, on vehicle lighting just to give people some information around that. Okay, so what are the requirements? So firstly, I suppose the requirements for everyone to be aware and in, I suppose any mechanically prevailed vehicle, whether it's a car or a motorcycle or a lorry, is required to have, have certain lighting in, in place and in working order. And I'm just going to speak specifically about a, a car at, for today. Um, so under the Road Traffic Act, each car is required to have two um, headlights and two white side lights at the front of their vehicle. They're required to have four amber direction indicators. So that's your, your two front indicators and your two rear indicators. Uh, requirements to have four red lights at the back. So that's your two tail lights and your two brake lights. Uh, one, at least one um, or two white reversing lights. And also you're required always to have your number plate uh, lighting functioning and in working order. So I suppose um, that those are requirements under the Road Traffic Act, Patricia, and they're there to, to ensure that when you're travelling on the road that your vehicle is adequately visible and that you can, uh, that the road ahead of you is adequately illuminated as well. So I would give some tips, I suppose, around that for people and the first thing I would say, I suppose, just get into the habit of regularly checking that all the vehicle lights are working use a window or a reflective surface um, if you want to just, you know, park your car in front of and just turn on and off every uh, light in your car and just you'll see then whether they're actually working or not ahead of you. Um, most vehicles will also show an alert nowadays on the dashboard when a bulb has blown. So what I would say to people is if you do discover that a bulb has blown, you know, ensure that you get it replaced 
straight away, don't procrastinate. It's really important that, that the situation is rectified before you, you know, embark on any journeys on the road. Um, I suppose I would say to people just to be aware of the hazards that will be caused both to yourself and to other road users by travelling on the road without fully functioning lights on your vehicle. Um, I know one issue, and one you've mentioned yourself, Patricia, this morning, is the danger caused when one headlight isn't working. Mm. Um, this can cause other road users, including pedestrians or cyclists, to believe that an oncoming vehicle is a motorbike, uh, for example, and result in collisions due to other road users failing to give adequate space. And um, It means that the driver of the vehicle without the adequate lighting as well cannot have a proper view of the road ahead because it's not illuminated correctly. And I suppose in particular at this time of the year when we're in um, we have very short daytime hours, you mightn't see an oncoming hazard, including even a pedestrian or a cyclist. So the consequences of that are obviously um, are unthinkable. And it's, then, and then the, corre- the, the correct use of lights, that's something else that we need to keep in mind. Absolutely. And I suppose this is something else that can have the effect of causing hazards um, if lights aren't being used correctly. So I suppose the first thing, and I know this has been topical recently as well, is around um, daytime and lighting up hours. So at the moment, the lighting up, up hours are a half an hour after uh, sunset in the evening and a half an hour ahead of sunrise in the morning. And during those times, vehicles are required to have full lights operating at all times and then to dip the headlights at um, every appropriate juncture. So I suppose it's important to know to, to dip your headlights where it's appropriate. And I'll just highlight specifically what those circumstances would be. Um, if you're travelling in a built-up or well-lit area, you can reduce from your full lights to your dipped headlights. If you're travelling behind another vehicle, so if you happen to be able to see the red lights of another vehicle travelling ahead of you, you should dip from your full beams to your dipped beams. If there's an oncoming vehicle, you should always dip in adequate time. If you're stopped in traffic um, or if you're travelling in dense fog or snow. And I suppose finally, whenever having full lights might cause a hazard to another road user, such as a pedestrian, you should always dip to um, your dipped beams. If you're parking, don't leave your full lights on. For example, if you had to pull in safely to take a phone call, don't leave your full lights on. Leave only your parking or side lights on to prevent, again, causing a hazard to oncoming traffic. And that's something I've seen at times where people will forget to turn off their, yeah, and their it can, full lights. Yeah, it can blind, blind somebody else. Um, then. And you mentioned fog lights. And, you know, if you're driving in fog or, or snow, how important they are. Uh, but yes. th- there's correct use of fog lights as well. Yes, and I suppose the, the, the message here is use fog lights as for as far the purpose for which they are intended, which is to give increased visibility during hazardous road conditions such as fog, snow, and very heavy rain. At all other times, really, you should turn them off. They're not required uh, because you again could cause another road user to be distracted or blinded by them. Okay, and I know my husband always jokingly refers to, "Oh, there's another car without an indicator." Uh, the proper use of your indicators and using your indicators when you're turning left or right. Exactly. Um, absolutely. This is something that people, I suppose, just, I would remind people to just be cognizant of when you're out on the road. If you're intending to take a, a turn left or right, indicate in plenty of time to give other people on, in the area adequate warning of your intention to turn off the road. Um, I would say to indicate ahead of braking so that 
once you've put on your indicator, you have effectively alerted other road users to your intention and they will then be able to take their own action, i.e. to slow down, to give you adequate and, you know, safe space to, to turn left or right or to take whatever action they need to to ensure that everyone remains safe um, while you are, are embarking on that um, okay. action. OK, and proper light, light, proper use of your lights, it saves lives. I mean, that's what this is all about. Absolutely. I mean, I know that um, JP had asked me around whether or not there are fines, you know, for road users if lights aren't correctly used. And certainly if you're travelling on a road where one or, or more of the lights that I mentioned earlier aren't adequately working and in order, you are liable to be fined. Um, there is an SCPN for, the, for the, an offence for each of those and you would be fined €60. Euro. And I suppose another a catch-all road traffic offence that maybe people just maybe would bear in mind is the offence of Section 51A of the Road Traffic Act, which is driving without reasonable consideration. So if you take an action that would um, essentially, I suppose, be construed as driving without reasonable consideration, you're also liable to be fined in that situation. It can be costly as well. It can be costly exactly. as well. All right, exactly. this is our last one before Christmas. So a happy Christmas to you, um, Trina. Thank you, Patricia. I suppose I'd like to take the opportunity to wish every one of your listeners and yourselves um, a joyful and safe Christmas period ahead. And just to remember that your local guardian are here to help at all times in the event that you require us. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and ring. Um, you will find all the numbers of local guard stations on the Garda website. And just remember, I suppose, if you are in an emergency situation... Um, where you're in danger in any way, just pick up the phone, dial 999, and this will ensure that the nearest available vehicle will be dispatched to you um, as quickly as possible. And, and don't ever be afraid to do that. OK, well done. Are you off yourself over Christmas or are you working? Um, no, we're working through, actually. Yeah. 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 OK, so, all so, right. Um, yeah, the guard, you have to be on duty as well. Listen, uh, Trina, have a, a safe and a happy Christmas and we'll speak to you again in the new year. Thank you for Thanks for that. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Sergeant Trino Mahoney based at Skippering Guard, the station. 1850-333-103. If you have pet questions, get them in because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will join us in the next hour. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. We've got Christmas coverage. Your chance to win daily a 500 euro festive shopping spree uh, thanks to we're giving away these wonderful super value gift cards you're listening at 9 at 2 and at 5 to count the Christmas bells then you wait for Martina on drive to tell you when to text or WhatsApp the number of bells that we were ringing on that particular day and uh, along with your name and address, address for your chance to win yesterday we had our first mail winner and it was uh, Barry Coughlin in Formoy there was 12 bells there was 12 bells. Were you listening all day? I was, yeah. Well, it pays off to listen. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> Oh, that means you are our winner today. You get the 500 euro festive shopping spree. Oh, that's unbelievable. Thanks very much. You're so welcome. Barry, you're in Formoy, right? 
Yeah, from my... Uh, and this is a, a super value gift voucher. Do you have a super value there? Yeah, there's a super value from my, yeah. Excellent. So, you know, it's all about shopping local as well in the run-up to Christmas. You've got your, your super value there locally. And what's yeah. going to be at the top of your list of what to buy now with this 500 euro? Uh, honey glazed ham and a big turkey. <laughs> <laughs> no surprises there then, right? Yeah, yeah. Get it done. <laughs> treat the mother this year. Oh, nice one. What's your mother's name? Yeah. Uh, Patricia. Well, hi Patricia. to Patricia as well. Yeah. And eat, drink and be merry. And thanks for listening to C103, Barry. Thanks very much. So it's all round to Barry's mother's house, Patricia, for Christmas dinner this year. Congratulations, Barry Coughlin in for Moy, our latest winner on our Christmas covered uh, competition with Super Value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion they're available in store or for e-gift cards that can be sent with a personal message. Just search Super Value gift cards and make sure you're listening weekdays 9am, 2pm and 5pm to win only on C103. And you also need to be tuned all day tomorrow because tomorrow, Friday, is a free Panto Friday for Aladdin at the Everyman. Listen across the day for your chance to grab a family pass. You can win your way to Aladdin at the Everyman on Thursday, December the 9th. So that's this day uh, week and enjoy all the magic and fun of the Panto only on C103. Can I just clarify something that I mentioned earlier and thank you to Denise, a practice nurse, uh, for contacting us about this just to clarify a point. When I was talking about the walk-in COVID vaccination clinics that are available across today and across this weekend at uh, Cork City Hall and they're doing and walk-ins they're doing the 60 uh, to 69 year olds they're doing healthcare workers but of course there's various cohorts of people that are being offered a booster vaccine at the moment and they're going to come down through the various age groups and you've got to wait five months after finishing your course of COVID-19 vaccine or three months if it is the uh, Janssen but for people who have recovered from COVID it is a different criteria and Deirdre said it is worth pointing out if you've been diagnosed with COVID-19 since you got your second vaccine, you have to wait six months from the date of your positive COVID test to get your booster vaccine, not six months from the date of your second vaccine. And I realised as I was reading out the piece about the COVID walk-in clinics for this weekend. I realised the wording of it was actually worded wrong and it made it sound like it was six months after your second jab. It's not. It's it's six months from the date of your positive COVID test for people who've been doubly vaccinated or singly vaccinated in the case of Janssen and then went on to get COVID. So glad to clarify that. Thank you for your text uh, Deirdre. 1850-333-103 and then a number of people were on uh, reacting to Trina, Sergeant Trina O'Mahony who joined us about lights and lighting on the road and uh, people you know needing to stay uh, safe. Um, Heidi says, Patricia, hearing about roads on your show today and lighting up properly, I think if the roads were in good condition, we would not have so much headlights in poor condition as the rest of the car. It's so important as lives depend on these things. And someone else says, what about bicycles with no lights? I'm sure there's rules and regulations uh, governing that uh, as well. Also in on... Uh, also by uh, text. Hi Patricia, listening to Sergeant Trino O'Mahony on lights. Well, I find many car drivers 
travelling behind you. Don't dim your lights. It's scary as it blinds you in your rear view mirror. Also, people stopping with their full lights on on a countryside or at a village when they park up. And it was one of the things that Trina uh, dealt with. If you're, if you're driving at night or early in the morning, you've got your lights on. If you're parking, do not leave your full lights on. If you're pulling on the side of the road for whatever reason, uh, leave only your parking and your side lights on and that prevents causing hazards to other road users. And she was making the point that remember that your full lights can cause other road users to become blinded if they're not dipped to the appropriate time. So she was giving great advice on it uh, for sure. And Imelda says the Gardaí also need to highlight farmers that have inadequate fencing. A person was nearly killed in our area going around a corner and an animal was out on the roadway in the uh, dark. And John and Kildallery says you also need to get the Gardaí uh, to highlight uh, people using a roundabout. I feel some people have no idea how to use a roundabout. And you'll get, you'll hear that when you're on a roundabout. You'll hear somebody getting blown. I got, lo- lately, I got blown off it and I still can't understand. I felt I did everything right, but a guy in another car reckoned I was wrong. I thought I was in the correct lane. I was indicating and everything but anyway he uh, took great umbrage to my driving uh, skills but driving on a roundabout people need to update their skills when it comes to that. Bernie and Fomoy has been on to us this morning about couriers. Now and she's wondering is she on her own on this one or are others having problems with couriers? Can I, before I get into this can we just say in defence of couriers they are flat out at the moment. They have never been as busy. They're busy because of COVID times, but they're also busy with the run-up to Christmas delivering items and I suppose they're up against the clock as well and trying to get as many of their deliveries out as uh, possible. But Bernie uh, says she has a problem, but it's just one courier company that she's having a problem with. This courier company, the driver, insists on driving off Bernie's packages by leaving them on the pillar at the entrance to her home. Bernie has a driveway to her house. They're off the main road and she's at any of the other courier service and I'm assuming the postmen and women they will drive up the driveway and then leave the package but this courier this one courier is insisting on leaving the items on the pillar and then drives off she's fearful that items could get stolen also they're out in all kinds of weather conditions because she's unaware that the parcel has been delivered and is sitting on the pillar of her house one day they actually found packages that had fallen into the garden they'd fallen off the pillar she's tried to contact the courier uh, company can't get through can't get a phone number to get through to them she made contact once when she got an email address for them but the email bounced back as undeliverable are others having problems trying to if you're reporting a problem with a courier is it impossible to get through to them but how are others finding when couriers are delivering items why did an item delivered well hubby had an item delivered yesterday I think it's my Christmas present but anyway we'll say no more and there was a ring at the doorbell and it's funny we were sitting at home yesterday kind of at tea time and the ring, ring at the doorbell and we all kind of jumped you're just not used to people ringing the doorbell anymore isn't it are we gone you know before people would call nobody calls you know we don't call nobody calls to us anymore and obviously with Marsha we're desperately trying to protect her so nobody's calling so you kind of got a fright when the doorbell uh, rang so out he trotted and he literally got up out of the seat as soon as the doorbell rang and got to the front door and I live in, it, in a reasonably I don't live in a mansion don't live in a massive house so there isn't a big long hallway or anything to negotiate got to the front door and by the time he'd opened the front door the driver was, had, was taken off and then the package was left on the doorstep but it was fine he rang the doorbell so it, 
was it was all okay. But I'm just saying that story just to show how busy the drivers are at the moment. But leaving it on the pillar like that, and you would be. We 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 covered it actually on Guard the file a number of weeks ago about some packages going missing. Couriers were delivering them, and then I'm not saying somebody was following the courier van, but you get an opportunistic theft. You, a thief who'll spot the package on Bernie's pillar and just decide to open the back of the out of the car into the boot and they're gone so yeah I can understand why you'd be nervous about it uh, Bernie anybody else having problems with couriers and if so how do you get through to a courier company just one particular company how do you get through to somebody if you can't get a phone number for them and the emails are bouncing back 1850 333 and Joe is in Balbriggan in Dublin he's listening to us online good to have you listen to us online uh, Joe and this is to do with recycling when we were talking about the circular economy and we're all trying to do our bit for climate change trying not to throw away items try to reuse them and if you buy something new re-gift it get it on to somebody else but whatever you do any kind of an electrical item, any item with a battery, don't put it in for landfill, please. But Joe came across something rather unusual at a car boot sale in Balbriggan. He noticed that there was a gentleman buying old washing machines and tumble dryers. And that got Joe thinking, who's buying old tumble dryers and washing machines? So he went over and had a chat with them. And it turns out that this man ships them over to Africa. And in Africa, the old washing machines and the tumble dryers, working or not working, are broken down and they're then used for spare parts. So if somebody has a washing machine in Africa and it breaks down they can't afford to go out and buy a new one so there's shops and businesses obviously where they're using the spare parts and they can fix somebody's washing machine or tumble dryer. What a terrific idea. And Joe quizzed him further and says what happens then with what's left over and he said it's sold for scrap but he's reckoning that there's there's a business here in, in for other parts, for other companies to set up and run a simpler business. Never heard about it before Joe, certainly we look into it but that's exactly what the circular economy is all about if we don't have any use for it it's of no use to us why not get it out to countries like Africa where people are less well off can't afford to go out and buy a new new machine and I would love the idea of some of my spare parts in my washing machine uh, going to help a, a f- a family in Africa. Thank you for that, uh, Joe. Stay safe. 1850-333-103. And just one final one from Tony in Bandon. And this is to do with home helps that we spoke about earlier with Deputy Colin Burke and the lack thereof. We need to encourage people to get into the caring profession. Patricia, it's not just the home carers that's causing all of these problems for people wanting to live at home safely and independently. Tony feels the whole care system is crashing. Sloan to care, I feel non-existent. COH, he says, for example, they need 20 specialist neurological nurses. At the moment, it only has four This is sheer madness. These nurses would keep people and patients out of hospital beds and safe in their own homes. Where is the joined up thinking in all of this? It's time that the government stopped dithering, explain the true state of the healthcare system and damn well sorted out. Signed a very frustrated and annoyed Tony listening to a Zimbandon who says hashtag patients deserve better. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. 
Charleville Lions Club. They've got their food appeal boxes at supermarket checkouts in Dunn stores and Super Value in Charleville at the moment. They're looking for donations, please, of preserved and non-perishable foods. All very welcome. Uh, a cash box will also be available for cash donations. And the Mallow Christmas Market will be held tomorrow Friday and again the following Friday from 9am to 1pm in St. James's Church Grounds. There'll be up to 20 vendors and that's your chance to purchase Christmas trees, gifts and local food produce from local producers and artisans. All about shopping local and what a great way uh, to do it at the local farmers markets. Please support those farmers markets between now and Christmas. And Penny Dinners, always looking for our help. There's a collection for Penny Dinners in Canturk Trade Union Hall. That's happening on Saturday between 11am and 1pm. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Yeah, I can just, and I knew the minute I said to John Paul that I'll talk about couriers, I'll get a flood of uh, texts uh, in. Somebody says, some couriers are very good, but others are terrible. They'll just dump the parcels anywhere and all you get is, uh, oh, we'll look into that if you do manage to get through and complain about it. The companies need to start talking to their drivers because they don't realise what the drivers are doing. And says Patricia, I've packages delivered about every two months and the instruction that I always give is please ring me two hours in advance of the delivery as I've got a dog in the yard. Recently, one of the courier companies drops the package over the gate and rings me after he drives away. So I've just dropped that package into you there, Mrs. Uh, it's okay if I'm at home or the day is dry, but if it's pouring rain, the cardboard box can get absolutely ruined. And by the way, no joy with asking them to obey, obey the instructions that I've put for them to ring me two hours in advance. Also, just to try yeah, to get the dog in uh, more than uh, anything else. Oh my God, Patricia, the trouble I have with some career companies, they are so bad. Delivering items in damaged boxes, dumped on the front step and then running off back to the van. You just have to read some of the reviews to see what people think about them. society. So, all right, yeah, it is possible to put up a review, but it doesn't seem to be helping. Now, you know, whether for a courier is listening to us and wants to defend it, is it just down to the fact that couriers are all so busy at the moment and that's that's what it is. They've got so many packages that they have to deliver and they're just dumping them and uh, running. But it does look like, I knew the minute I would mention it, it does look like many people are certainly having problems uh, with it. We were talking about lights. Somebody says, what about the blinding LED lights? I can barely drive at night. Anything I can do about that? Um, I know I'm assuming LED lights in cars coming against you uh, is, it, is, is, is that what it is uh, yeah well you know listening to Trina there are rules and regulations about it they're, they're meant to be dipping their, you're meant to dip your headlights at the right time and all of that and making sure that you're not blinding the oncoming driver or if you're driving behind the one I hate is if you're driving and somebody behind you has their lights on that can be really really frustrating now earlier I mentioned about this new special Christmas, I, would you call it a festive mayo that's coming out from Heinz and it's a mixture of mayonnaise along with Terry's orange chocolate and I just can't get my head around. I love both items. I love mayo. I love Terry's 
orange chocolate, the individual segments, but I just don't know about having the two of them together. And the suggestion is you can put them on crumpets, you can put it on pancakes, or you can get a spoon and eat it from the jar. And that certainly does not appeal to me at all. Uh, Somebody was listening to that and uh, says the, the latest thing now for food gurus is to eat cheese with Christmas cake. I've heard about it twice l- lately. The world is gone mad. Oh, no. The world isn't gone mad, says this Dexter. It's the people in it. Please don't mention my name. <laughs> yeah, Christmas cake and cheese. Now, I'm a big fan of cheese. I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Christmas cake. Would you put... Does anybody out there, has anybody heard of that? Has anybody done that? Would you actually put cheese on top of uh, a Christmas cake. Uh, Let me know if that one floats in your uh, boat. Uh, Marie is joining me and I don't know, I need to check is she on one or two, John Paul? I have two flashing, she's on two. Okay, let me go to Marie. This is on uh, Couriers. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Patricia. No, I'm on the move. I'm not at the wheel, but just in case there'd be a a, a bit (laughs) of interruption as I'm talking to you. Okay, you're all right. Tell me Um, about Couriers. No, couriers, yeah. My husband was was expecting a pair of boots in the post okay. through a courier. And he got a text saying that they had been delivered. So we went outside the door. This was pre-COVID now, by the way. Okay. We went outside the door and there was nothing there. And we said maybe that, you know, we'll wait a day or so and see what happens. So I was putting out the recycling bin the following Monday. This was a Wednesday. And, I, you know, I looked in just as you might do sometimes, just to make sure everything was pushed down properly. Yeah. And I noticed this cardboard box inside in the bin. And I said, I don't remember putting that in the bin. So I took it out and there were the bolts inside in the box in the bin. <sighs> okay. Now, the, that happens in our house all the time as well. If we're not there, the courier puts it into the glass recycling bin. But we'll always put a note through the door to say it. Yeah. This, but you got, you, got, all, you no. got, no, no. They could have ended up but should they would have ended up in the recycling? Gone, gone. And and we'd have no comeback because he'd say he delivered them. We'd say we didn't get them. We didn't get them. And there you go. Yeah, and, and OK, the reason that they say they put it into the bin, A, it's to hide <coughs> it, not to leave it on the doorstep so anyone can't see it. And I heard another courier say we put it into the bin because it's, you know, it's, it'll be dry. Obviously, they're not putting it in on top of food waste, but it's dry recycling. It'll keep the package dry in case it rains. But I remember Sadie, who worked on this programme with us last year, came in one day absolutely fuming about a package in that was delivered to her house that got put in with the glass recycling and like yeah. that it got delivered very same when she contacted they said no we deliver that and she said it hasn't arrived and then when she got they, they said we'll get on to the driver the driver came back and said oh I put it into the red bin the red bin got put out by another one of Sadie's housemates and she yeah. lost she lost. no they had to refund her she got a refund on it so you do it is it is it's becoming a common practice but you need to be careful so that you just yeah, well, you see, if you got it, sorry for interrupting yeah. there now, Patricia, if you got a text or a phone call or something or a note saying yeah. that we have put it in the bin, yeah, perfect, that yeah. would be fine. That's but the- I mean, we were totally unaware that the, the boots were in the in the recycling bin. And at the end of all of that, did the boots fit? Oh, the boats were fine. <laughs> they very nearly didn't get to where they were supposed to get to. They were nearly gone. All right, they were you. nearly gone, yeah. So so that's one. If you do, if a courier says that they've done a delivery, <laughs> check your bins. 
Check no, I kept your bins. Your bins yeah, okay. because we couldn't, we couldn't believe it. Yeah. All right, Marie, thanks for that. Yeah, right. Look after Patricia. yourself. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. 1850-333-103. When we're talking about upcycling and recycling and trying to pass things on, Eileen in Glantan has been on to us. She said, I've got a perfectly good cot with a mattress. If anybody's looking for the cot, happy to pass it on to somebody. And we have Eileen's uh, details. She is in uh, Glantan. I know the Mallow Act of Kindness page are absolutely fantastic when people have items like that. You can put your little picture up. You can give them as much detail as you want about it. And it's a great way to pass items on. And I love, because that's all to do with the circular economy. If, you know, Eileen no longer has any use of the cot and the mattress and rather than just bringing that to a civic amenity site where it'll get broken down and I know it will get recycled that way. But let's see if another little baby will get to spend some time in that cot and with that mattress and, and sleep comfortably. And you could also be passing it on to somebody who, you know, financially can't afford to buy a cot and a mattress and badly in need of it. So it's a generous act as well. So thank you for that, Eileen. Um, we have Eileen's details. But if you want to get on to somebody like the, the Act of Kindness page in Mallow, there's a lot of those... The, I just happen to know the Act of Kindness page in Mallow but there's a lot of those in different areas their face their Facebook groups that are set up and they do they've they do the most fantastic work in that and passing items on and helping other people out it it really is it's a fantastic service that's run by people themselves you know there's nobody paid to run those act of kindness pages I've got just great I've great admiration for them it's a little bit like the way I speak about the tidy towns people who go out to keep our towns and our villages smart and tidy looking uh, and they, they do it you know they, they don't get paid for it and it's the same with the, the administrators for those any of those act of kindness pages or any of those community pages and they really are fantastic they're great great uh, people so that might be something else um, Eileen if we don't get somebody to take away your your mattress it might be something else that you might uh, consider uh, cheese the cheese with the Christmas cake that somebody said seems to be a new phenomena Jackie in Tupac House says cheese has traditionally been eaten with, with rich food cake in Yorkshire in England the combination is delicious says uh, Jackie and Geraldine is backing you up Jackie because Geraldine says my friend from Yorkshire has a tradition of eating Christmas uh, cake with uh, cheese says Geraldine so it's, it's a, it must be a Yorkshire thing that now according to one of our listeners on WhatsApp has become something that's come in here so when you're cutting your Christmas cake this year try putting a slice of cheese on top and let me know how, how you got on the good people of Yorkshire have been doing it for years and absolutely are, are loving it and somebody says Patricia you got a smart meter recently how are you getting on with it I, I don't know I'm should, should I be interacting with my smart meter I um, it's working fine as far as I know I've checked it once or twice I checked it recently actually because I bought a um, a dehumidifier because we've got one room where I do um, the steam ironing and the steam ironing is a room that gets damp and I think it's, it is because I know it's because of the steam iron so I bought a little dehumidifier and I got it into my house and I wonder is that running the meter like mad because I was thinking is it like an electric heater so I checked the smart meter I had it running for an hour to see was the was could I could I see the meter going up? The only difference is you don't have you know the old fashioned the I'm calling it the old fashioned meters the meters that most people have where you see the 
thing looping around and you can see the red dot looping around. You don't have that on a smart meter, but I don't know. Am I meant to be interacting with my smart meter? But it looks fine. Everything seems to be working okay. I haven't had the first bill yet. I'll let you know when the first bill comes in to see I'm not that's going to make any difference to my uh, bill, but it's it's working fine. And they were the most efficient bunch of people. There was a, a guy arrived. I booked a time slot because obviously I'm not around in the mornings. I was afraid they were going to call and we wouldn't be there. So I booked a time slot for it was on a Monday morning and uh, I knew that Hubby was going to be at home and they said I got a text the day before to say read your appointment for the, smart, the installation of the smart meter we're going to be there at 8 o'clock and bang on 8 o'clock my husband said the guy arrived job done in and out I think he was gone because electricity goes off for a period of time in and gone I think within 40 minutes so yeah very very efficient uh, service with the smart meters and of course the one big advantage to having the smart meter is you never have an itemised bill again which I think is one of the real real uh, pluses uh, of it and just back to COVID for a second from Dan just an observation on COVID vaccination uh, and opinions on people from Eastern Europe living here in Ireland I met a lot I've met a lot of them in the course of my work and none of them have been vaccinated. I've asked them directly are they vaccinated and they say no and they've no intention of getting vaccinated. Do we have a problem with Eastern Europeans living in this country? Well, I, we it got mentioned last month or the month uh, before actually the Taunton Leo Radker came out and said the government is, was actually at that stage considering a dedicated campaign on vaccinations to try to reach the communities who don't speak English in this country and in particular they spoke about those from Eastern European countries. When you look at people living and we have a wonderful multicultural society uh, here and we have very high high vaccination rates but we have very high vaccination rates among Irish nationals. When you look at the breakdown of all of the people that are vaccinated in this country, 90% of the people vaccinated are Irish uh, nationals but then when you look at people from other out outside Ireland who have come to live and make Ireland their home. It's as low as 44% for Eastern Europeans. Western Europeans are about 67% are vaccinated of those uh, living in this country. So we do have a problem. We're trying to get the message through to people from Eastern European uh, countries. And I know if you look at their own countries, if you look at the records in their own their own native countries, you will notice those countries also have very low vaccine vaccination rates at home. Part of it, they will say, is a a distrust in government officials from their own country and unfortunately they've carried it over here to this country. So yes, the government have recognised and have accepted that they have a problem with non- English, with, where English isn't the first language uh, for people. So they were talking, now I haven't heard, I certainly haven't heard any any radio ads, but they were talking about campaigns and doing campaigns in various languages to try to improve the vaccine uh, uptake. 1850 Listener says, could you do a shout out please and ask, are there any buses uh, going to knock for the Tuesday night vigil from either Canturk or Mallow? Does anybody know of a bus going to knock for next Tuesday night's night vigil from either Canturk or Mallow? A listener would be interested in jumping on that bus. 1850-333-103. If you've got pet questions, please get them into us because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us on the uh, programme. You can call John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp your pet question to 0862-103-103. 
Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Focus what you mean, got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick, Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at c103.ie. This Saturday, it's West Ham versus Chelsea at 12.30. Newcastle United versus Burnley at 3. And Watford take on Manchester City at 5.30. Number one, Premier League Live with Now. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with a Now Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at c103.ie or download the C103 app. Amazing Aldi value you'll find it right here for a Christmas dinner with plenty of cheer. From the 20th of December, fresh whole turkeys from 8 99 from the 26th of November, traditional horseshoe ham from only 7 99 All board be a quality short and 100% Irish. Six delicious deep-filled mince pies, just 89 cent. And grapevine Merlot wine, only 4 99 Aldi, make Christmas amazing for everyone. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. That, boom, that's the sound of life happening right now. And with access to cancer and heartbeat cardiac screenings, Leia Healthcare is always a beat ahead of your health. Our focus on preventative care means Leia Healthcare do so much more than just look after you when things go wrong. We're making you better before you're even ill. Always ahead of your next bump. And that's how Leia Healthcare are looking after you always. Insurance provided by Elips Insurance Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited Trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Additional access is dependent on holding private medical insurance. Cardiac screening available to members over 12 years. Consultants subject to their availability. I hear you some wire and needs a fixin', ma'am. The name's Buzz. On account of my work. No chance. Not all cowboys ride horses. All safe electric registered electrical contractors must give you a certificate of completion that shows their work meets approved standards. Find one nearby on safeelectric.ie. When you switch to three, you'll be getting our fastest ever home broadband package. Like Darren Tune, who told us that his speed increased from 20 megabytes per second to 250. Now starting at just 30 euro a month, a saving of up to 25 euro a month for a limited time only. Broadband you can trust from three for a better connected life. 5G broadband plans only. Minimum term and direct debit required. Speeds may vary subject to coverage and environmental factors. Subject to availability. See 3.ie for more. Oh, I am over these dark, wintry days. Oh, check out my new sitting room lights, though. They'd cheer anyone up. That overhead light, that corner lamp, where are they from? I picked them up in JJ's Appliances' new lighting showroom. They transformed the whole room. <laughs> they were so affordable. And the staff really know what they're talking about at JJ's. Go have a look. I'm going to go there right now. Let JJ's Appliances, expert lighting and electrical, brighten up your winter. Indoor, outdoor, LEDs. Call in and see for yourselves at JJ's Appliances, Canturk. It's lunchtime, but you don't have the time to prepare something healthy. Let Clean Cut Meals prepare it for you with our expertly prepared meals. Created with nutrition in mind. Sign up today at cleancutmeals.ie. Clean Cut Meals. Healthy eating without the hassle. We're playing all your 
favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Making it a Christmas full of smiles. C103. And just one final one on Courier's listener says, uh, Patricia, we had a missing parcel. Uh, got onto the Courier, they said, we delivered it, we left it under the mat. We don't have a mat. It was at a different house with the same house number. We had to drive around until we eventually found it. And then I came home one day to find a load of timber for a building left right beside my house. Same issue. It was for another house with the same number, but a different house. It seems like they don't read the address. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So they don't check the postcodes and that's the reason that we all have postcodes so that uh, shouldn't be happening. Uh, thank you for that. Okay. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Group, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, And you're very welcome. Let me get straight into Catherine, who has a problem with a little kitten, five months uh, old, Persian-type kitten. All of her other cats are doing fine. It was a litter of six kittens. But one kitten is just not eating. All the others are eating fine. She's tried everything, chicken, salmon, just seems to be a real fussy eater, is in good form, but eats nothing compared to the other kittens. Why is this? And any suggestions, please? Could it just be a fussy eater? I suppose it could potentially just be a fussy eater. However, I, I assume from the sounds of it, the other members of the litter that would have grown up with this particular kitten are, are still around by the sounds of it. It'd be very unusual for one out of out of the six to be exceptionally picky. But look, it's 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 possible. I would wonder if potentially this sounds like a multi-cat household 
there might be a kind of an element of um, kind of hierarchy in who gets to the food. So sometimes in multi-cat households, a lot of them will be fed together. And it might be that this might be kind of the slightly weaker or slightly shyer in temperament kitten. And its its little buddies might be shoving towards the food bowl a bit more at feeding time and it may be ending up with a little bit less. But if it is really kind of a, just fussy in the sense of it, it doesn't want to eat um, whatever it's offered, then that's a little bit more of a concern. Um, I would say that at this stage, at five months of age, it would be highly unusual to be very much kind of refusing food. So I would be very much querying whether there's an underlying health issue or a problem or a source of discomfort, which is stopping this little kitten really thriving. I think particularly considering that the other members of the litter sound like they're doing really, really well. For this little kitten, I would say it needs a trip to the vet for a full health check. I assume by the age of five months, it will probably have had its first initial vaccination. So it's initial inoculations, which can normally happen kind of from nine weeks onwards. So I I assume it's probably had those and and probably had a check with the vet that might have flagged, let's say, any early life issues. But look, things can always change and it's best to double check. So I'd advise a little vet check for this kitten as the first point of call. And once a health issue is ruled out, it may just be trial and error with finding a food that it really likes and it settles on but I think the other thing is I'd be tempted you know try a food and settle on it for a wee while a lot of the time animals and dogs in particular can get particularly cute if they know you'll you know try and feed them all of the good snacks to get them to eat anything sometimes they can really start holding out and refusing things that are let's say uh, not the best cuts of meat or or something that they're just not particularly fond of until until they know you'll kind of give in at your wits end and feed them all the, the exciting human food so really a complete cat food is the best thing to feed rather than table scraps or, or little chunks of meat because we want that kitten to grow up kind of nice and strong and with a, a good nutritional kind of baseline to help it in that so I think a visit to the vet initially. Just to check just to check out that there's nothing going wrong. Okay, yeah. somebody has a Jack Russell, just will not take a worm tablet. What are the tips to get a dog to take a worm tablet? Oh, this is a challenge that we encounter every day. Some dogs are absolute ninjas and will just find worm tablets in whatever you stuff them into. It's a real, real challenge. Um, I think some of the ones that I've heard of being really great are kind of in a little bit of cream cheese. So the kind of Primula cream cheese, very small amount. It can be quite rich and fatty, so I wouldn't advise feeding it in any large amounts to a dog. But that can mask it quite well sometimes pate or kind of a meaty pate um, or even the meaty pate spreads can really mask the smell. If it's the texture um, that your dog is kind of worried about, sometimes burying something a little bit more solid. I know um, some kind of like little filled biscuits that you can get for dogs. If they have a little mushy center, ask your vet, they might have some in stock. You can sometimes squish the the worming tablet in there. There are actually little tablet givers on the market which are designed exactly for that purpose. So they're little kind of malleable, moldable um, little balls of treat and they're made specifically for wrapping around medication for particularly fussy eaters. And they have a very, very strong smell. My goodness, you open the packet and the, the smell of meat hits you. So it masks the smell and it's also quite kind of doughy in texture. So it kind of distracts a little bit from the funny texture of sometimes the tablet. But a thing that might be worth 
voicing with your vet as well um, would be the type of tablet you're on. You know, don't suffer in silence. Let us know if your dog doesn't particularly like that warmer. There's usually other brands on the market or other types. So there's kind of the old style dusty tablet as the basic option. But a lot of the ones we stock now will be these kind of chewy, palatable flavoured ones that generally, as long as you kind of, you know, act like nothing's happening, they'll, they'll accept quite readily. But you do get the odd dog that is very suspicious. So let your vet know you're having some difficulty. Don't suffer in silence and maybe ask them if they stock those um, little mouldable treats that you can mould around the tablet um, and try the cream cheese. Okay, and somebody's wondering about flea treatment for dogs. Does it kill lice or does it prevent lice when you're giving your regular flea treatments? It depends. So it also depends on what product you're using as to whether it will actually treat and or prevent lice. So there's, it depends on the ingredient. So a lot of, let's say... um, the basic flea spot-ons wouldn't actually do anything for lice. Most of them, the most common ingredient is something called fipronil, which generally does fleas and ticks. Um, So it's really important to be aware of what your external parasite treatment covers and discuss that with your vet as regards kind of your pet's lifestyle needs, their exposure factors, and they'll be able to let you know what's best for your pet in that situation and give you good cover. But as regards, let's say, external parasite treatments that would treat for lice um, it would generally be a treatment in the in the same way as prevention so a lot of the time infections are set up because uh, it will become infested with lice from one or two lice hopping on the back and having a little blood meal and they found a nice little warm home where they can set up shot, shop and they reproduce generally when pets are treated with a spot on or a tablet um parasite prevention a part of the the little chemical will be in their blood. It's very safe for the dog or cat um, as long as it's kind of a licensed product, but it will kill the lice, as it says, when it bites the blood. So you're preventing an infestation by killing off any and lice or fleas that yeah, may have one. And that's what's so it's important. Kind of a bit of both. And briefly, my Jack Russell is scratching his ear, shaking his head sometimes as if there's something in the ear. I've had a good look in, but I can't see anything. Is this a job for the vet? Yeah, it is. I think this little dude might have some ear irritation, possibly an infection. Sometimes we can get things stuck down the ear, but it's an awful lot more common to have something like ear mites or an ear infection that can be can be bacteria or yeast. So this is one that needs to visit your vet for an investigation. OK, listen, have a lovely week yeah. and we'll chat to you again next Thursday. Thanks for that, Jane. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. That is Jane Peckett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary Group. Before we go, just a quick few uh, texts uh, in on the smart meters. Heidi says, smart meters are okay, Patricia, but the meter reader loses his job. And we have a lovely man reads our meter. I was talking to him about it a number of years ago when we knew it was coming in. Uh, I agree with you on that, yeah. I I certainly will bemoan the fact that he won't be calling to the house uh, anymore. And then we mentioned about the lady who had the car and the mattress to give away. Listen to this from uh, PJ. Our daughter's grandmother-in-law, who was 102, well done, she has a cot in her house in Sweden which is over 100 years old. Every new baby in the family since then has slept therein with a name tag tied to the cot with the new baby's name and date of birth. Oh, what a wonderful tradition. Thank you for sharing that. And that's from uh, PJ. And hi, uh, Patricia, this is from Neil. To the lady who says whenever she's driving about being blinded by the lights, you know, when somebody has the full lights on behind, there's a tab at the bottom of your mirror. If you pull it down, it flips the mirror up and it stops you being dazzled. Thank you for that, uh, Neil. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Can't get to any more of your texts. Thank you for them all. 
Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. Thanks to John Paul for producing and we will talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Message. You're very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 